as I say to you before, is what I hope that uh, people will learn to do. Because at the end, even if we can stop buying now, probably we need to continue to buy something because it's a sort of personal gratification. When we have a look of something, is okay. Even if I don't need it, I like it because in this moment of my life is like buying something that will be part of me as I am now, representing me at this moment. But we don't need to buy. Mappy, at the end, you know no. this. We don't There's one thing that I don't understand. It's this concept of revenge shopping. Hi, I'm Anna Maria Tartaglia. Hi, I'm Marie-Pierre Schickel, and you're listening to Gut Talks. Double G, U, double T. Hi, everyone. Welcome to season one of Gut Talks, double G, U, double T, a podcast focusing on business and tech for good, experience design and gut feelings. I'm Maria, designer, strategist and venture builder running two ventures, GUT, Double G, U, Double T, and Other Dots Foundation. I decided to launch GUT Talks as the pandemic hit with an ambition to educate, put some karma on the board, and feature entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and investors who deserve recognition and have inspiring stories to tell. Feel free to email me if you need me, maria at gut.com, Double G, U, Double T, or check the links in the show notes. Now let's get started. We have two guests today, Marie-Pierre, who's an ex-business consultant who used to work at a large consultancy firm who started working with designers after pursuing a master's in business design. She made the leap from academia as a master's program leader and now back on the market, as she likes saying, working as a brand strategist, mentoring startups and angel investing. Anna-Maria Tartaglia, you're the founder of The Brand Sitter, Chief Marketing and Communications Director, who work with some of the most prominent Italian fashion brands, and you preach the importance of intellectual property. You're the co-founder of Angel for Women, your lecturer and startup mentor. And I had the pleasure to meet both of you on many occasions as you're involved in the startup ecosystem here in Milan. And I'm delighted to have you on God Talks and have this conversation. And this is the second time both of you join. God Talks was before a series of videos, but now it's a podcast. So how are you both? Great, as you can imagine, Yellow Zone and Friday night. Now, super happy to be with you. Thank yes, you. I, yes, very, very happy to spend time with you, Maria, and we hope to meet you very, very, very soon. Hopefully. So I made a very brief introduction, but I want to kick this off by asking each one of you, and maybe we can start with you, Anna Maria, because we just ended, Who are you? Why you do what you do? And do you trust your gut feeling? Because you do many things, right? So do you trust your gut when you move forward and doing stuff? Well, me, so you presented me in a very precise way. So but what I can add is that I am uh, curious. Uh, I am uh, probably a rebel. And this is my gut feeling. I am really a rebel. Every time that I decide something is... Uh, Probably at the beginning, it is quite unusual. Uh, and I think, okay, I felt like just a little bit brave. I can try. And if I fail, okay, I will start. Is where I am. Is uh, usually probably the best example of the history of my life. Every time I have a, a sort of, how can I say, 
vision i can say is i can discover something i love it i'll try i can have a success i can fail and at the end say okay i am satisfied in the bad or in the good time thank you for that and marie pierre wow i'm not quite a rebel <laughs> but i think that the reason why uh Anna Maria and, uh, and I became friends and colleagues, but I would say above all uh, friends, it's probably because she has this aspect of a, you know, of a rebel. And I think that's what attracts me also to uh, professional people. So who am I? I'm a hybrid, I would say, because I've combined very different experiences. So not just by changing industries or you know, verticals, but really changing the topics I was dealing with, you know, from consulting, looking at a uh, lot of industries, then marketing in the travel industry, then a design school, then back mixing everything. So I would say, yes, I'm a hybrid. And I have to say that in terms of gut feeling, I started being very analytic. So now weighting the pros and the cons, because that was also my formamentis, now the way I study. This is what you get when you do a lot of consulting. And I think gut feeling is something that can also arrive with experience. I was listening not so long ago too, no? Uh, what about intuition? We all have intuition. No? Intuition is not something that you have or you don't have. Some people might have more of that innate. But I think that as you grow in your career, you realize that you have seen so many cases, so many different things that you let yourself go. No? You, <laughs> you let go of things and you follow a little bit more your uh, intuition. And maybe as we grow older, I don't know what you think, Anna-Maria, no? we have somehow slightly less patience so we know better what we're good at what we like what we don't like what we want and so it also counts beyond the, uh, the competencies that you have yes absolutely and also at the end is uh, as we say many times and as we discuss with Mappy so many many times at the end say uh, my okay my quote is yes actually probably I can but I don't want to do this anymore so it's probably at the end of our experiences, uh, probably when we were young, because we can say when we were very, very young, probably we were attracted by everything and tasting and trying everything. Now is okay, just a little bit, some more selective. And then uh, I am more convinced about something and say, okay, if I spend time, it's because I believe in it, but I really believe in it. Another thing regarding gut feeling and the uh... Intuition. Now, since we're all involved, Maria, Anna Maria, me, with startups, the world is changing so fast and constantly that you don't have the luxury anymore to wait and assess always the pros and cons. So you need to move fast. And so you do more mistakes, maybe, but there's absolutely no choice. So at some point, you will have less data. Yesterday, I was listening to a talk where somebody was talking about there's so much data, you know, AI, et cetera, et cetera. But if you don't have insight, if you don't know what to do with data, it's almost the opposite. Now it's a hurdle. It's a barrier for you know, decision-making. So I think that, yes, intuition is something that all of us have to train and to start using, whether you like it or not, whether you think you're good at it or not. Yeah, I agree. And I resonate with that. And both of you are angel investors as well. So I assume you do trust your gut when you make decisions because you're part of a network where you can all discuss together as well. But in that case, you end up trusting your gut too. Yes, Marianne, it's really interesting because when I and then Mappy started to invest in some cases, I tell you that it's not probably correct the way we influence each other, but sharing some point of view at the end on a different point of view or having different feelings, because this is the reality, 
we reach the same kind of decision. And it's interesting viewing that we start from different points and then at the end we have the same kind of feeling and is exactly what for different reasons we will do and we will decide to invest in. And also maybe in my case, because I started later now than uh, I started doing this two years ago. So definitely there is, a, you don't know exactly where you're going. Okay. And you also have to let go because you're not in the manager's position. Now, this is the first thing you learn as an investor that you should not reason as if you're taking the, the daily decisions and you're not really asked to, okay, you can buy into the strategy of the company, but there's also an element of gut feeling for that. Now, I think you also need to have a, not necessarily passion for the sector, but at least to have a good feeling also with the people, you know, because yeah. the, uh, on paper, the uh, the business model can look great, but then it's the people. And at the end of the day, people, it's also a lot of good feeling now, unless you have now some people who have a track record because uh, they've done multiple startups uh, with different kind of successes. Absolutely. This topic, actually, we can go on forever, I think, on that one. But I'm going to actually skip the part asking you, you know, what is branding and your opinion and stuff like that, because if the listeners want to check, they can go on YouTube and listen to like the 10, 15 minute spill or interview with you where we go into details with that. But I want to ask, I'll start with Anna Maria in that case. I know I spoke about that in uh, the video we recorded before, but I want to know if you can share a mistake or a learning experience with trademarks because it's yes. something you preach highly and this is what you start with when you want to talk about branding. Yes, absolutely. So I can share my experience with the past and then uh, with an experience that now I'm trying to do for uh, a new, I say, adventure or project uh, that I have in mind. So it means that uh, Probably, as we discussed many times, when I decided the name of my consultancy company was a sort of intuition, as Mappy said. And what I did was to check if uh, everything was uh, totally free. So means uh, the brand sitter was for me exactly the expression of what uh, I have in mind to do with the talent, with the brand. So being like a babysitter for them not really babysitter but more someone taking care of them in the right way from the beginning and then supporting them in every aspect of their life i had intuition to immediately and probably due to my background to protect the name and to create a logo and then immediately to do a deposit of this and i think that was the best intuition that i had because in a few months, I discovered that someone else created a company exactly with the same name, using the same .com but IT, having the same kind of activities that I declare in my activities, a sort of copy and paste of everything. And the way in which I discovered this was very funny because this person sent to me a post on LinkedIn, tell me, please put like on brand sitter. Say, what? It's me. What is happening? I never sent something. So I like it. It's mine. And then I started to check. And as you can imagine, and as I usually told about this, I was forced to hire a lawyer. And then I was lucky because at the beginning, I decided to have and to do this deposit and all the aspects of the bureaucratic deposit with one of the main 
Italian expert. So means that I was covering every point, uh, having everything, be able to demonstrate from the beginning that I was the first one, that I created it and blah, 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 blah. But was very difficult because for me was not complicated, but was astonished to discover that the person behind this was a friend. Someone that I worked with in the past. I say, why did you do something like this? So probably, I don't know if you did this in a conscious or unconscious way. I don't know. I was forced to spend time to demonstrate that the brand sitter, the mind was the first one. Because for the Italian legislation, it's up to you to be able to demonstrate that you were the first one and you are able to protect everything. And that at the end, this other person and this company was totally cancelled. They were forced to remove the name, to change the name of their company, to change their website. I was at the end also astonished for them because I say, why did you do this? You were not conscious about the fact that probably I will act to protect myself. And then at the end, this will cost a lot of money for you because clearly It's me, the brand is linked to me. It's incredible that I will renounce to something after years and years of war. It's me. So for you, probably in your mind at the beginning was the same, but now I know I am not a friend. We don't discuss each other. We don't say hello, bye, nothing at all. From the, I think at least more or less five years that we don't speak at all. I know that this person is following me, checking what I am doing. I don't check what she's doing because I am not interested. But into the reality was really the demonstration, not for me, but also for everyone that when you have an idea or when you want to create your business, it's important to protect what you decided to do. And it's exactly the reason why now with a group of other friends, we want to create another project. And Mappy know this with the name of this project because for us, we'll represent a sort of evolution of some ideas that we have, I say, okay, guys, stop here. Now we are checking everything on the international environment for all the classes that we are interested in. For the moment, we protect the .com of this name and project that we love that is totally blind. No one knows nothing about this. And if we will be sure that no other one add a sort of protection or a sort of, I can say, link with this idea, in the next month, probably, I hope that we will be out with this new project. If not, we will change the name, we will restart, and we will try, (laughs) and we will find to try something different, able to represent what we have in mind. That's a long process and uh, lots of ups and downs. So fingers yeah. crossed, <laughs> no one is using this trademark. So we hope. Yeah. Marie-Pierre, I'm not going to ask you about trademarks and stuff like that. I know it's important, <laughs> but let's focus on something different in that case, All related to you. I-, I know, and you made the leap from business analytics and so on to branding and design and combining both. Can you share an experience where you learned so much? In the league or in general in, in my career? And in your career, when making this transition, it can be in the way you were thinking or doing things or something that went really wrong, but you learned so much. 
And I have to say that it felt, all the little jumps that I took felt very natural, okay? I had never planned it. I didn't plan it as a career, but when I was working for Bain, at some point I knew I wanted to work for a company. I knew I wanted to be uh, on the other side of the fence. And a former colleague of mine was working in Club Med, needed some uh, kind of a strategic mind. Then when I went from strategy within a company and working for marketing, it felt supernatural, but it was all opportunities. Now it was all a matter of doors are opening, trains are leaving the station, and you're like, should I jump on it? Yeah, I want to jump on it. The other thing is, I think I always felt attracted by creativity. But as someone who is not, you know, I'm not a painter, I don't have any hobby, I didn't have any lots of creative people, I studied business, I was a consultant, so it's difficult to trust your gut, again, talking about guts. <laughs> but it was you know, a long but progressive journey towards that, towards creativity. And I felt like when I was working in marketing, when you work in marketing, you really have different aspects. Now you have the marketing aspect of numbers, where do you invest, how do you spend your budget, but then you have to give your opinion on lots of creative proposal the video the campaign the visuals and this and that and then I realized that not only I like that but I had a good sensitivity so this is something uh, what did I learn most I don't know I always feel like I learned from everything I learned from everything I listen to even till today you know I listen to a podcast I'm this kind of nerd that you know, I open a, I open a note on my Mac and I write down the things. I think we can really, really learn from anything. There's no way. I mean, like in food, no. I hate waste, so I always try to see you know what I learn from something, from a meeting, from a discussion with uh, with someone. So it's difficult for me to tell you is there one experience where I learned most. I mean, definitely the biggest jump probably was going from strategy to marketing and at the same time from France to Italy because you change country you have no clue of the ecosystem you will find yourself in so when I became marketing director of a company in Italy and I had to choose uh, which is the newspaper we need to invest and you have no clue what this newspaper is about because you're coming from a different country so this is probably when I learned the most in terms of uh, you know everything was new absolutely everything was new but the skills you have are fairly versatile in the end. Thank you for that. I think lots of people can resonate actually with that as well. So we have two key things here. Focus on trademarks and your IP, like do your research, but also learn anywhere all the time and don't be afraid to make the leap and jump. I want to talk a little bit about the fashion industry as well, because I know that both of you have worked in fashion and luxury at different levels like you both teach as well. The time for brands to focus on branding is not starting now because branding is something you do from day one all the time. So we observed many brands, fashion brands, and Armani started this, right? Transforming their manufacturing plants and everything when the crisis hit Italy. And they were serving, but others as well, uh, Lamborghini, Gucci, I don't know, many brands help. My question is, how are brands embracing, if you want, this change of landscape? And how has branding evolved? Because something happened now that is making people more aware and people relate to and buy from brands they trust. So how do you see the evolution of the Italian fashion landscape in terms of branding? Anna Maria, I can try to start. 
Alors, first of all, I don't know if Italian brands are answering in a different way than French brands and American brands. I don't see in a way, and if it's like this, more than being Italian or French, it's probably, you know, how conservative they are, how versatile they are, how many categories they have, etc. Probably what many brands have had to do is stop selling for at least a period of time that was now different months. And so naturally or not naturally, this idea of saying, okay, how can I entertain my audience? How can I give value to my audience? How can I help? Is a natural expression of branding. Now, this is usually what you should be doing, not when you do branding. It's not just about your product, but it's about other. Now, what is your language? What is the territory of expression where you can express yourself? So I think that it has probably accelerated all those different territories that maybe they had not explored. Now it has forced them to be much more open, less self-centered, because I think that definitely fashion brands are absolutely self-centered, autoreferencial, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's not arrogant anymore because they had to change and they had to evolve a few years ago. But definitely, you know, when you were listening to what employees were doing in the store, what kind of some people like Carla Garfield were organizing yoga classes. And again, it's not just fashion brands all the brands were doing that but so i think it was good for them in terms of you know experimenting in a different direction yes and also, Maria, what do you think it, yes and also if i can add something is it's the right opportunity for them to rethink a huge part of their business because at the end what this crisis is telling to us is that the fashion system was not sustainable anymore So means that the business model and continue to offer to people every day something to buy was quite impossible to sustain. Means that actually also not only refocusing on their way to communicate what they have to do or what they will try to do is to rethink also their production, their way to present their collection, probably be in a certain way, less massive and more exclusive, even if this probably will mean that they will sacrifice some part of their collection for reaching people that give to the product and the brands another kind of value, much more sophisticated, exclusive, reaching a kind of people that probably will be more interested in in quality, in made in, in artisanality is probably what I personally is my, so is a giving back, not giving back, is a sort of giving back of some values, but also adding to some, to the old values, some new related to the respect, sustainability. When we say sustainability means producing really what you can sell, not what you need, because the reality is a mapping out my point of view. We don't need nothing from the fashion system. Is everything superfluous? We continue to buy things that we don't need. So we are in a certain way totally out of control on this. No, we are like a sort of shopaholic buying something, all the everyone buying and wearing always and continues tons and tons of t-shirts and other things because they are cool. I don't know if we continue to need something that is only cool or something that is good, respectful, with a good quality, something that will be really part of our life because it's not related to season, but it's much more like us. And speaking in terms of branding, because usually we buy what is similar to us, it's much more in line with our new values and with our new life. This is what personally is my desire, is my dream about 
the direction that the fashion brands will embrace for the future. Yeah, and, said, and, to, yeah. and to add to what Anna Maria was saying, I think that the impact of COVID was probably, I think, more on the business model of those brands than on the branding itself. No? So if a brand stands for something, so maybe more honesty, more authenticity, more transparency, more less perfect, etc. in their languages, but then the business model. No? So now everybody's talking about vintage, secondhand. Finally, finally, no? but super late. Those brands have all approached how to resell their, uh, no, I don't know, from Richmond and their watch business where now they have also the business where you can do uh, reselling of watches, Gucci doing partnership with a resellers platform, etc. Some of it could be a little bit of marketing, but at the end of the day, it's part of the bigger ecosystem of saying, now do we need uh, new stuff all the time? Even, I don't know, yesterday I was seeing, it sounds to me very beautiful. I don't know if you've seen it, Anna Maria, but uh, Pomelato has done a collection based on the kintsugi, you know, the Japanese thing. So basically they're reusing precious stones, okay, that were a bit damaged. So for me, this is what, you know, what luxury or fashion should be about also. Yes, probably uh, maybe I think more, more luxury than fashion, even if, if we consider like fashion was before the last five or six years, years with the big growth into the reality we had less collection more quality more concentrate on some values that now the young generation are discovering again because probably i don't know for you mappy or for you maria but for me for sure i have in my wardrobe some pieces coming from the companies where i worked 30 years ago and they are perfect because the quality of the raw material is so amazing. Probably what I am planning to do is because I have not the same fitting and the same shape is, my God, can I find someone, can I, can I will be able to find someone that will readapt to my new fitting? But I am not thinking to eliminate this. Not at all. Absolutely. Because actually nowadays, if I look the same brand, producing some kind of product, I can tell to you that the quality is lower. It's absolutely lower, even if they are exactly the same brand. So means it's like if they are planning to have a sort of uh, obsolescence time also for some product, even if they are much more timeless, but they imagine that if, okay, if I program that this code will be only for five years, you will buy another one, or for one year, you will be forced to buy another one. But as I said to you at the beginning, it's not sustainable. We don't need so many things. We need probably to reorganize our wardrobe like we are reorganizing our life. It's exactly the same. I agree with that. And you're saying we buy stuff we don't need, and COVID is the thing. I mean, we might be wearing amazing stuff just for Zoom, and then we're just wearing our pajamas and flip-flops. Who knows, right? We all do it. I mean, I do at least. But um, you touch on interesting points as well. You spoke about authenticity. And this is a key element, actually. What brands are doing, they can't pretend to be authentic and they cannot pretend to have purpose. They have to do it. They have to do something that is achievable and that is real. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. And the confirmation to what you said as well is a few months ago, I was mentoring some students for a um, competition, you know, a fashion competition. And they were all about reusable. Again, you know, they're young students. They're not really into the industry, but we understand what the younger generation wants today. And if we go on TikTok and Instagram and so on, we realize that 
they have another mindset. I mean, I'm a millennial, right? We are. But oh, thank you, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm I'm a very you're yeah. a young millennial. No, you're you're in between now. I'm I'm an old one, but uh, no, but, no, but absolutely, yeah. No, no, no. The new generation. I mean, I I have two teenagers. Not all of them are equal, no? Some of them, because it's also, again, looking at fashion, I'm thinking of it's your expression, no? It's your identity. We know we don't need it, but we need to gratify ourselves with beautiful objects, timeless, less timeless. We want to express ourselves. So even, uh, I mean, even if I'm trying to be conscious, we all feel like, no, I want this new thing, even if it's only one, no? Whereas my wardrobe is full. I really don't need it, no? And I'm not growing up anymore. So <laughs> not like my daughter. But they are really, really, my son is 18 and he just doesn't want to buy anything. It's almost the opposite, no? I have to tell him, Lorenzo, your pair of shoes is kind of destroyed, no? And he just doesn't want He's refusing. And I think that we have different segments. Not everybody is it's, yeah. it's arriving at this level. But I think that they are completely, completely different. Than, uh, there's a big disruption. Before, it was probably now a little bit of continuity between the, now the, the, the generation. Now, everybody's talking about this famous Gen Z that is completely different. It, and they look at us being angry at us. Now they look at us yeah. saying, what did you do? And for the first time in my life, I'm asking myself, what did I do? Because I always say, no, but I'm not responsible for enough. It was uh, done in the last 20 years. No, I am. In I a am. way, yeah. And I have to look at them in the eye. No, it's very different yeah. than that. So uh, no, authenticity. There's also this expression I love that they, are, they have anti-bullshit filters. They do. They really do. They really do. No, I really do that because maybe I'm not to that extent, but my mom is the one who tells me, you need to buy clothes, you need to, you need to. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't need, you, you know, things like that. So I am yeah, really yet, enjoying yet, myself yet, with the pandemic. Yes, at the end, it's a reality we don't need because we can survive, I think, for the next 20 years with what we have actually in our closet. And if we check what we have, because if I think about myself, I am passionate about shoes. I am a shoes collector. Everyone knows about me this. And actually, I have more or less around 300 pairs of shoes. Okay, means that 300. Means that I can survive for the 300 pairs of shoes, but means that I can survive for the rest of my life. Why? Because I started to collect shoes when I was a teen. And I continue to add shoes. But at the end, I am happy to wear some of the shoes. When I was teen, because there are some brands that now, for example, doesn't exist anymore. And that for me are more than vintage. Wearing these shoes, I have a piece of my life and I can mix the past with the present with something that is not part of the real life. I don't know how, how we can shake this. And it's funny. It's probably is what I, as I say to you before, is what I hope that people will learn to do because at the end even if we can stop buying now probably we need to continue to buy something because it's a sort of personal gratification when we have a look of something is okay even if I don't need it I like it because in this moment of my life is like buying something that will be part of me as I am now representing me at this moment but we don't need to buy Mappy at the end, you know no. this. We don't There's one thing that I don't understand. It's this concept of revenge shopping. So I can understand, again, the fact that, okay, being with the closed, with the lockdowns and the stores being closed, uh, somehow I was forced to save. So maybe I have, no, 
because we are the lucky ones also, let's face it, no, because we're talking about that, but there are a lot of people who are not the lucky ones and who have been not economically damaged are still going to be economically damaged yes. by this big crisis. But I can understand that, yes, okay, I didn't buy anything, so I want to, but from this to say revenge shopping, I'm much more conscious. So I would do revenge traveling in a sense that I miss discovering places. I miss, I wanted to go to Naples, I couldn't go, so I would do that. But a revenge shopping saying, I need to go to Maldives, I need to do this big fancy, uh, for what? So me personally, I think that, yes, I would love to go back to the pleasures that I was now a, a little bit deprived of, but it's much more on seeing my friends, having dinners with more people. So looking at Asia and looking at this huge revenge shopping, I don't even know if the name is correct. It's probably also because it's a part of the world that is enjoying a huge economic growth. So they are in a phase of their development where they like to enjoy their wealth, uh, their, but revenge shopping, I don't know if it's the yeah. appropriate terms. Yeah, so it's also for me, it's quite unusual to have this kind of revenge shopping. Revenge yeah. for what is the question? It's like, sorry for this, I'm like screwing yourself. <laughs> revenge for what? <laughs> You also touched on something, well, two things, that you mix and match the old and the new. This is also part of your personal brand when you're going to show up in a real way. So th this is great. And it also allows you to educate other people on, you know what, if you have old stuff, you don't need to renew all the time if you buy quality, because it's the first time I'm going to say on the podcast, but when we have our even... My mom used to tell me, if you buy quality, stuff will last and the fashion will come back. This is the concept of timeless you have, but we have all this as well, fast fashion and so on. And, and the industry is polluting like massively. And this we're, is... we were still the generation, sorry, Maria, but we were the generation where our mothers mm -hmm. did not have fast fashion. No. So for them, when they saw fast fashion, they saw the difference in quality. No, they were going with us in the stores. There was nothing like you could buy from your phone without asking your mother or exchanging. So you would still touch and see and let alone the fact that they would not like the style. But this has always been the case. No, it would look like too short, uh, too tight, uh, too whatever for them. No, because it was a matter of generation or too ugly like music. But still, no, I think that th there was no such business model available. So you could really touch it. There's a whole 20-year generation where it was all about, remember all those YouTubers that would, for 10 euros, they would buy you know, so many t-shirts and they would unpack the, you know, the, the bags with all those things. So I think it was also a different historical moment. So we tried to educate our, you know, so we got still this sense of uh, awareness that there's quality and there's, uh, and even though I'm older than you, a little younger than, uh, than Ana Maria, I think we had that and it make a, still made a big difference. So we have three generations talking here. So I think we All can talk for ages. No, not quite. Yes, but I, uh, I yeah. think that we are, yes, we are considered officially into three different generations. Yeah. yeah. Officially, officially in terms of age, we are. Probably in terms of mindset for what no. we are discussing now, we are very similar because yeah. means that some values are totally and absolutely transversal. Depends on your education, on your family, on the people that you spend time with. And also as you, I say, educate yourself to the consumption. Because at the end, probably, I think that every one of us probably has a moment in the life in which we bought everything. So it means that I need, I need, I need, it's like a compulsive way. So not revenge, but compulsive. But it was probably a moment 
and which have been something different in our life. And we say, okay, this is the way to gratificate ourselves, but then stop. We don't need it. Maybe something that will help in terms of consumption behavior is also the fact that before it was about fitting in. Now you wanted to belong to a group to, so you, we would all be, you know, so we had the Levi, when I was younger, we would have the Levi's, we would have the Timberland, we would have the Dr. Martin's shoes, whatever, whatever. So it was not looking like the other ones. Now to fit in, yes, because it still exists for the younger people, but it's really about me, 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 and how I can stand out. Okay. And so upcycling, all those, uh, you know, Younger people who are uh, retouching their clothes, personalizing them, selling them on Depop, even vintage, okay? Vintage, it's not a matter of you like it, it's cheaper. It's like if it's from an older collection, the chances that somebody else has the same one are much lower. So I think that maybe here we also have no, a conversion of two things of it's so important to stand out by being unique. And the true way probably of being unique today is to go back to uh, you know, uh, pulling your uh, dress or the jacket from your aunt, your uh, mother, your grandmother. Anna Maria is great at repurposing your mother's uh, no, uh, wedding dress or no, I saw those Absolutely. marvelous things. Uh, I, but that, yeah. what is so funny again, is, I would, Mappy, no, I would, you know, I try, I try to enter in the wedding dress of my mother. You know that she was so, so slim that I was not able to enter in it. So it was like a disaster <laughs> for me. Say, oh gosh, I have to buy another one. It's incredible. I cannot use it. Exactly. But it's if I like were a brand today, I would tap into that. No, in terms of, then of course you will have, uh, no, I don't know, uh, part of the segment that wants that Gucci belt because, but I think that, I mean, it could be a lucky moment for, you know, to spur this movement of, uh, you want to be unique? The best way is to reuse. Uh, yes, but also, Mappy, if I can add something is, if you want to be unique, so you can choose some small artisans. You can identify someone that has different identity and you can build what you want with this designer. So it means that now is the right moment for doing this, both in a physical than in a digital way. So it means that there are so many opportunities and you can discover so many realities, especially in Italy, when we are lucky about the kind of people that we have continue to do this. And we can also support them. So it means that we can do a sort of switch of our point of view on this. So we don't need to continue to buy famous, 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 famous brand because we have some unknown brand or small brand or artisans that probably will never be like a brand, but they have a value. And is one of the treasures that we have here in Italy. And the question is, why not? Why we don't try to change our point of view on this? And, and hopefully, again, the COVID obliges us to rediscover our quartiere, no? our area. I don't know, in France, they were saying that people were happy if uh, big malls were, had to be closed over the weekend because at the end of the day, they rediscovered no? the stores from proximity, even for food. So I think that also now spending more time in your own city, having to discover because you're not allowed to go elsewhere, you can also rediscover those, at least those ones who will have now survived because uh, now many of them, unfortunately, have disappeared. But also these repairing things, which is big again. So I think that, yeah, and some big brands like Patagonia, who has been preaching now the repair, the don't buy if it's not useful for a long time. But only now they have the button on their website where you can buy secondhand clothes. So they had part of the thing, but they had not closed the loop 
in terms of their e-commerce. Now they're doing it. So hopefully, yeah. I'm hopeful. I want to be positive. <laughs> yeah, although we know that the fashion industry is responsible for 10%, at least of the annual global carbon emissions, we still have some hope. The answer is not for sure. A gesture of goodwill is, you know, upcycling and repurposing and so on. But we need the companies and the large brands actually take action and really do it. So the whole supply chain affects positively and it's a lot of change and it will cost a lot as well to do, but it's not impossible because we also have the younger generation who want to do that. So I don't know if you would like to add something. Thank you so much, by the way. It was great to have a conversation at trois, like the three of us. We hope to see you soon again. But if you would like to add something, go ahead or just say, If someone wants to know more about you or get in touch, how can they reach you? On all social media. <laughs> yes, no, no, LinkedIn. De definitely on LinkedIn is the on best LinkedIn. way. It's the best way because then you have all the other references and can understand, okay, what part of the experience we had that you know is more interesting for you. Now, the final word I just want to say is as long as going back to investors, no? When investors and increasingly in all industries are going to say, I only invest in, okay, then the pressure to have more profit, to grow faster. I remember when Gucci did its turnaround and was growing by 30% every year, and you had those incredible comments that now the CEO was uh, having to say, it's impossible. We're not going to uh, now to be able to grow like this year after year after year. So it's normal. Or when I read in the now economic news, now the analysts were, were a bit disappointed because the company did not deliver a 20% growth. It okay. doesn't, so it, it has reality, no reality. sense. So we can do the, pre again, I think now it's the responsibility of everyone, of the company, of the clients, of course, but also of everybody who is fueling and asking those companies to deliver on results. So I think that, and I feel like there's a lot of movement of rethinking, you know, when we say rethinking capitalism without being, you know, a utopian. And, uh, but uh, so again, could be another, another talk. No, so many yes, other talks, but. Absolutely, Maria. We have to discuss about what we are working as uh, Women 20 for our recommendation for G20, because the idea is how we can create a sustainable capitalism for mm -hmm. empowering women. So it means that uh, we are giving to you the next topics that we can discuss in the future is I would love to I would love to because I'm conscious of time I didn't ask I wanted to ask <laughs> you about because it's a massive topic some large companies fashion brands are investing in sustainable startups and you ladies also invest so is this one of the things so let's keep this for our next conversation with pleasure with absolutely <laughs> thank you two, so much to be continued yes. thank you Maria Thank you, Maria. Indeed. Thank you, Mappy. Hope to see you very soon together. Thank you so much. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao Maria. Ciao, ciao. ciao Mappy. Ciao. Ciao. This episode with Anna Maria Tartaglia and Marie-Pierre Chiquel comes to an end. We spoke about branding and sustainability in the fashion industry, the new generation, and they shared some key learnings and experiences as well. But this episode is to be continued as we will be recording another one later on at a later stage. Thank you so much for listening. You are listening to Gut Talks by Maria Matloub. To support the show, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with anyone who could benefit from listening to these stories and experiences. To continue the conversation, 
join the LinkedIn group or the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time.